Down there, the police found a crematorium, a blood-spattered dissection table, acid bathtubs, bloody surgical tools, various jars of poison. <laughs> yes, my mama eat you like Jeff Dahmer. Say she on a period, let's make a mess, mama. I desensitize myself to it. I, 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 uh... I don't know, I went to great lengths. Never did I. Knew it would be this easy. Had him off that shit greasy. Yeah, be the nigga shit cheesy. People said they get my corner when I turn around. Oh, it's just measy. Everybody wanna get away from me because I got heebie-jeebies smashed up like Mike. That on the Halloween. What would you do if they had sexual parts? I wouldn't make you all your How long ago did this start, so? anything you cancel bro I'm fixated on asphyxiating and breaking this little chick's neck like a pixie stick the sick Satan worshiping bitches get horse whippings I'm in the back through the back door slipping through the cracks leaving the corpse dripping the mortician of love sent from above forced and treat them more when she the more stingy I become been doing this for more than a quarter century I'm just numbing my dreaming is it real someone pinch me on the buns do you feel blame are you mad? Uh, do you feel like wolves go out for a friend? Get friends, boots, 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 on the internet. And boy, does Dusty have a good episode lined up for you guys. Today, on Serial Killer Sunday, we are talking about America's first recorded alleged serial killer, H.H. H. Holmes, the devil in the white city. It's a good episode, alright? It's really good, okay? And if you're wondering why me and Dusty have been gone for the past three days, he'll explain it once we get through the intro, alright? I'm sorry, it was not against, I couldn't do anything about it. Dusty's like, hey, fuck you, no, we're not, no, okay? We gotta figure some shit out, okay? But he'll explain it, he'll explain everything. And, yeah. So, without further ado, we're going to jump into this episode. Let me introduce your host for this evening show, Dusty McBalls, a.k.a. the Certified Cougar Hunter, and your host with the most. Now sit back, shut up, and enjoy this show. Thank you, Big D, for that beautiful intro. And guys, before you get upset with me, yes, I know I didn't upload Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, okay? Took a little break because I had to rearrange my thoughts on a new uploading schedule, which I'm going to tell you guys right now before we get into this episode, okay? Mondays are now going to be horror movie breakdowns or horror movie reviews or whatever you want to do or not do but whatever you want to call it but I'm switching it up a little bit okay I'm now going to be doing like specific histories on movies like where the inspiration came from what tragedy stuff like that like why what was the inspiration behind some of these horror movies and the first one that we're gonna actually going to talk about tomorrow just as an overview and then I will dive into all of them 
is where the concept for Final Destination came from. What tragedies occurred that the writers and the producers, well, the producer was like, hey, I would love to make a movie off this. That is what we're going to do tomorrow. And I'm going to probably stick to doing more of those. But occasionally, if I see a horror movie, I will break it down for you guys. Okay? Just trying to switch it up. I'm getting a little bored of doing that, even though I love doing the Rotten Tomato reviews because I think they're so fucking funny. They're so hilarious, right? Tuesdays, I'm now going to be dropping my interviews. The days that, like, if I interview people, it's going to be on a Tuesday now. Wednesday is going to be, like, the episodes, either Paranormal, Urban Legends, like, my Friday episode that I was doing is now moving to Wednesday. Thursday is going to be me and Gabby doing our episode together. And then Friday is going to be short Reddit horror stories, all right? Then Saturday is still going to be stuck with Creepy Encounters, and Sunday is still going to be Serial Killer Sunday, okay? So doing a little bit of a new thing over here, okay? I kind of think it's a good idea, because that way I can get most of my research done on the weekend, okay? That's what I like about it, all right? So, that's what I was doing. I also wasn't, I was not feeling well. I hate full moons now. Fucking suck, alright, because I started seeing shit, and it just, ah, no, I hate full moons. Not that I don't like seeing shit, but, like, for the past four months, every time we get a full moon, bro, my fucking stomach just decides to hate me. And when we had one on the 25th, I was just like, this sucks, I now hate full moons, but, it's whatever. Um... Let's get into this episode, okay? Like Big D said in the intro, we are doing H.H. Holmes. Allegedly, I don't know, okay? He technically, according to some people, is the very first serial, serial killer within the United States. So, it's a good intro, or a good episode, not intro, we're already doing that. It's a good episode. I personally think he still might be one of my favorites. It's still him and Kemper. They're tied right now, if I'm being honest. They're both, yeah, they're both fucking tied right now. But we're doing H.H. Holmes, and so it's going to be fun. Just sit back, relax, put those Crocs on, because this one is a trip. It is a major trip. We are going to, like, ten different fucking states. Not ten literally, but, like, he moved around a lot. And this dude is fucked up. Okay? So, without further ado, let's get into this beautiful story on H.H. H. Holmes. So, H.H. H. Holmes, formerly known as Herman Webster Mudgett, was born in Gilmanton, New Hampshire on May 16th, 1861. Literally five days after my birthday. Kind of weird. Don't like it. He is the son of Levi Horton Mudgett and Theodate Page Price. Now, I literally thought it was Theodora. No, her name is Theodate. I did. That's not a mistypo. It's not like some weird pronunciation that I'm doing. It is literally Theodate Page Price. Holmes, Holmes's dad was a farmer who worked part-time as a trader and a house painter while his mother pretty much stayed at home and looked after him and his four siblings. Holmes's family were a bunch of devout Christians and hardcore churchgoers. Now, I'm not going to make fun of them, okay? Even though this is the four, this is the, well, technically this is the first month of me doing Serial Killer Sunday. Three out of the four were you know, church people, okay? I'm not saying. Actually, no, all of them were. Yeah, all of them. Was Ed Kemper? I can't remember. I think Ed was. I could be completely wrong. But listen, all right? I understand that, you know, Christianity is one of the top religions. I looked it up. I think it is the most followed religion. So, I don't, like, there's going to be a lot of serial killers that are going to be Christians. So to the people that are Christian and hate that I'm making fun of you, I'm sorry. But I think it's just 
fucking hilarious, okay? Now, I'm not going to make fun of Holmes and his family because, you know, that was just everybody was a Christian back in the 1800s. So, I wouldn't say, yeah, yeah, I would say most everybody. Yeah, we'll just roll with that. Don't know if that's politically correct, but we're rolling with it. Now, Holmes allegedly showed a very high IQ at a very young age and excelled in all of his school classes. But, and this is a big but, okay? This dude was weird, like extremely weird. Like I know all serial killers are weird, but this dude was one of the weirdest, right? He is weird. When he went to school, he was bullied. Typical serial killer shit. That's just what happens to these people. They just, almost all of them are bullied or abused. But Holmes would also, as a child, capture animals and perform surgery on them while also showing a sadistic nature towards children that were smaller than him. Allegedly, and I can't stress this enough, according to some sources and some accounts, he may have been allegedly, let me preface this again, allegedly responsible for the death of a friend because of his serial killer tendencies. Now, one thing that I would like to point out before I go any further is since this took place so fucking long ago the records and the sources and all of the like resources and information isn't quite there one because it probably wasn't as documented as well as it should have been and two it just it was just so fucking long ago right so it's just like this stuff could be lost It just could be out in limbo. It could have been destroyed, water damage, caught on fire. Those sorts of things. So there is a little bit of a loophole and some like gaps within this story on his life just because it took so fucking long ago. All right. It took place over a hundred years ago. Right. So like, don't get mad at me for the the holes within the story, all right? When Holmes graduated high school at the age of 16, yes, 16, he took a teaching job in Gilmanton and later in Alton as a teacher, and then on July 4th, 1878, he got married to his first of many wives, Clara Lovering, and she was... and. She was the daughter of a wealthy family that helped pay for Holmes' college education. His education, right? Yes, he had more than one wife. And this dude is, you're going to find out this dude is a cheating bastard, right? He just cheats a lot. That's his thing, okay? Holmes and Clara would eventually have a son together in 1880. And when Holmes turned 18, He enrolled in the University of Vermont in Burlington in 1879. But just three years later, in 1882, he would transfer to the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery. Then, after grinding away, you know, for a few years, specifically two tough years, he'd eventually graduate in June of 1884. But this is a trip. What he did at the University of Michigan is fucking wild. While he was at this school, he discovered that he had a really, really disgusting and weird passion. Holmes mainly studied and worked in the anatomy lab where he was mentored by Dr. Nahum Wright. White, not Wright, White. And Dr. White was an advocate for human dissection in New Hampshire. And it was here, at the University of Michigan, where Holmes found out that he loved dissecting dead bodies. Also, Holmes 
uh, what, what, let me rewind. While Holmes attended the University of Michigan, he started to get involved with some fraudulent scams to make some extra cash. He was, you know, a struggling college student. Was he really? No, because he had a rich-ass girlfriend that, you know, just, or I should say wife, that could just give him some fucking money. But he decided that he, you know, her money wasn't enough. So he decided to... This is disgusting. He decided that, you know, since he was a medical student, he would steal corpses and burn or disfigure them, then plant their bodies to make it look like they were killed in an accident. He would then go to the insurance company and take out said dead bodies, life insurance policy, and would just take their money and just fucking like take it. That's what he did. He, he didn't do that with one body. He did that with so many corpses and it gets even worse. Holmes would also allegedly steal skeletons, sell those skeletons and perform certain experiments on dead bodies that he had access to at the university of Michigan. He, he would literally is like the def, not he would, but he is literally like the definition of a, what is it? An insane asylum doctor. Now they always do those weird tests and try to see what works and basically use their inmates or well, not really their inmates, even though they technically are inmates, but their patients as like lab rats that's basically what he was doing with dead bodies. He would have been perfect for that job. I don't know why he just didn't go into being an insane asylum doctor, okay? Then, once he graduated from the university, he then moved to Moors, New York, where a rumor spread quickly that his arrival had... Well, when he arrived there in New York, there was a rumor that was kind of being spread around that Holmes had been seen with a little boy who eventually disappeared. Holmes claimed that the boy went back to his home in Massachusetts, but there was no investigation and they just didn't really care. So they kind of went to a dead end and nobody really knows from what I could research what happened to this little boy. And shortly after all of these allegations were being pressed on Holmes, he picked up everything and decided to move once again to Philly, where he found residency in, you know, well, not, let me take that back. He moved to Pennsylvania, fell, found residency in Philadelphia. That's what I was trying to say. I completely glossed over what everything I was trying to do, okay? Sometimes it's best to just stick to the script, people. I'm telling you that right now. Sometimes you go off on these weird tangents, and then you get, you know, lost in the sauce, I guess. So that's just what happened, right? And when he lived in Philly, he got a job as a keeper at Norriston, Norristown State Hospital. Now, I said that he would have been a good doctor there. I don't know why he didn't try to be a doctor here, Okay. He had his medical license, I think, and everything. I think, did you need, I wonder if, you, I'm going to assume that you needed a medical license back in the 1800s to be a doctor, but then again, I wasn't alive then, I'm pretty sure. I mean, if you think about reincarnation, I don't think I was alive back then. I don't fucking know. I could have been. I could have been a doctor at an insane asylum, and one of you viewers might have been my little guinea pigs. Just saying, could have happened, all right? Now, he only worked at Norristown Hospital for a few days before he quit, and I couldn't find out why he specifically quit, but he quit. And after he left the state hospital, he quickly found work at a drugstore in Philly, and while Holmes was working there, another boy ended up dying in his presence. And it was this time... It was after he took medication that was purchased from the drugstore. And just like in the first situation where 
he got pressed with questions and quickly got up, moved, and did everything. That's exactly what he did here. And he did it right before an investigation could even be launched. And after he moved out of Philly, he found... Oh, God. He found residency in Minneapolis, Minnesota in 1886. <sighs> I didn't know that. I actually didn't know that. Well, I did know that because I researched it. But prior to that, I did not know that. Why the fuck would he come here? It's cold as shit. Why does anybody want to live here? That's my question. Okay? Like, I'm trying to be real honest right now. I don't get how people like the cold. Like, literally, last week, when it was really, really cold across, like, the whole, like, northern part of the United States, bro, it was fucking freezing. Like, negative 10 degrees. That shit sucks donkey dick. Like, I'm not even kidding. I hated it. I hate it so fucking much. After living in Georgia for a year and a half, it is so nice to not wake up to extreme cold weather during the wintertime. The coldest it fucking got was like 20 degrees. And it was awesome. I loved it. I would give anything for that. But I'm not really complaining about this this winter because it is actually not bad at all. Minus last week, it has only gotten probably to like 30 degrees. So that's weird. That's really weird for Minnesota. But anyways, he ended up moving here. And he, while he was here and living here briefly, this is very, very brief. He ended up deciding to marry another woman. And her name was Murda Belknap. That is such a weird name. And at this point in our story... Holmes is still married to Clara. And just a few weeks after Holmes got married to Murda, Holmes would file for divorce. Well, I can't speak today. I'm sorry. I can't speak today. But he would file for divorce alleging that infidelity was on Clara's part, right? But from what I could find because I'm a ninja when it comes to researching there have been claims that when he served her divorce papers there is surviving paperwork suggesting that she probably was never informed of the divorce and it was never finalized I don't know how she didn't get the papers I don't know why she didn't get the papers, but from what I could find from multiple people is that she never got a hold of said divorce papers. So they're still married and Holmes is now married to two women and after like a little bit less than in less than a year, Holmes would eventually leave Minneapolis and moved to Wilmette, Illinois with Murda. Murta? Murda? Yeah, Murda. It sounds like murder. Murda. Like if I was, I don't know, a rapper. Murda. Sorry, that was cringy. They would move to Wilmette, Illinois, and this is where our serial killer truly starts to go off the rails and gets more and more deranged. This is the dark tale of H.H. Holmes, okay? It can finally commence within this episode. Once they moved to Illinois, Holmes would mainly spend most of his time in Chicago, leaving Murda and their daughter at home by themselves. He also at this point officially changed his name from Herman Webster Mudgett to Dr. Henry Howard Holmes. Dr. Holmes, our main antagonist of this story worked at Holton's drugstore, which was located at the southwest corner of South Wallace Avenue and West 63rd Street in a neighborhood called Inglewood, which, not the one in California, okay, we're still in Illinois, we're in Chicago, okay, it's just located a few, this little neighborhood is just located a few blocks 
south of Chicago. Dr. Edward Holton owned Holton's Drugstore, obviously, it's in the name, and he was also a fellow Michigan alumni and was just a few years older than Holmes. After Holmes had worked there for a little bit, a little, not really a little bit, but more of like a little while, he ended up buying the drugstore from Dr. Holton. And shortly after that, he also purchased the empty lot across the street where he started to construct his murder castle in 1887. It was a two-story, mixed-use building equipped with apartments on on the second floor. This is where it gets confusing because some people, I consider the main level, the ground level, attached, like that's level one, okay? Yeah, that's level one. And then above that, level two. And then above that, level three. You know, it goes on. I consider the first level level one. In this story, they have it flipped, okay? The first level, the ground level isn't, I think from what I was reading from the sources, they said that they were taking it as the ground level was ground level and then it goes one, two, three, four, okay? Where in my opinion, four is five and three, well, they're their three is my four. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was trying to say, okay? So keep that in your brains for the rest of the story, okay? And so apartments, second floor, and retail spaces were being built on the first floor. Now, Holmes, being the smart and agile creature that he is, started scamming the contractors that were building his murder castle. They did eventually sue in 1888, and there wasn't a lot of information on this lawsuit that I could find. But what I could find is that somehow, in some way, Holmes was able to keep like the construction continuing without even paying them. He also would hire and fire construction crews like it was nothing. And if you're wondering why he did such things, there's two main reasons. The first one being so that no one had a clear idea of what he was doing and what he was building and what he was putting into this murder castle. And the second was that he would claim bad workmanship and would refuse to pay for the services that the construction crews had done. It would also come out a few, not a few years later, but a while later, that after the murder castle hotel and the whole incident with H.H. Holmes, he never paid a cent for any of the materials that went into, sorry, I had a burp, that went into his building. Now, the construction of the murder castle officially ended in 1891. And after that, the construction, well, after the construction had stopped, Holmes placed ads in the newspaper offering jobs for young women and also offering a place to stay and other like amenities within this that he had built within this castle. He was also advertising that he was looking for another wife, even though he was already married to Clara and to Marta, Murda, Murda, right? He wants a third wife. I don't know why he wants a third wife, but he wants a third wife. I, I, that's too much. That's too much to handle. That's way too much to handle. It's already difficult for me handling one. We're not married yet, but like, it's a lot of work. I couldn't even imagine putting up with two more. Dude's fucking insane. Now, if you were employed, now if you were living and employed by Holmes, 
you were required to have a life insurance policy with Holmes himself or one of his aliases listed as a beneficiary on the the little policy thingy, whatever it is. I'm sorry, I don't have life insurance policy. I never really got into it. I don't know how that shit works. Okay, so I apologize. And that's when people started to disappear within this hotel, right? People within the Chicago community started just to drop like flies. Well, not really, but a lot of people started going missing. And along with the disappearances of the human blood bags, Holmes also started to cheat on his second wife and his first wife with a woman named Julia Smith Connor. And Julia was already married. She was already married and happily married, I would assume. Actually, probably not if she cheated on this guy with him. But she decided to join this weird fucking relationship. And yes, she was already married to a guy named Alex Connor who had just recently moved into Holmes's building and was also working for Holmes himself as a bookkeeper and he was working at the jewelry counter in his pharmacy. Eventually, like, you know, normal shit goes, people found out, find, found, whoa, people usually find out about affairs, and Alex did, and (laughs) this is funny, this is funny, I would have done the same thing, he quit his job at the murder hotel, and completely abandoned Julia and his daughter Pearl, now would I have abandoned my daughter, no, but I would have gladly abandoned Julia, I would have done the same fucking thing, okay, and after Alex left, Julia stayed with that cheating bastard Holmes while her and Pearl stayed at the castle. And on Christmas of 1891, both Julia and Pearl disappeared. According to most of the sources throughout my research, Pearl and Julia were allegedly his first known victims. But... When Holmes was asked about their disappearance by the authorities, he said that Julia had died during an abortion. Their bodies have never been found, and it was never confirmed that Julia did actually die from an abortion. This is all alleged, okay? Especially coming from the killer himself, right? I'm pretty sure he murdered them, like he did with all the other disappearances that have been happening around him because it's first one yeah maybe the kid did go back to Massachusetts but if it's a reoccurring thing um I think he murdered all three all of them so far so it just makes the most sense to me and when 1892 had hit Holmes decided to add a third floor to his building intending to use it as a hotel during the upcoming World's Columbian Exposition Fair. Holmes had gotten a hold of multiple investors and suppliers, hoping that they could help him build this third floor to his murder hotel. And at first they agreed, but they quickly pulled out of the deal because the furniture suppliers found out that Holmes was finding their materials like hidden, hidden within his hotel so that he wouldn't have to pay for them. When they were searching through like the hotel looking for this furniture, they literally found it in hidden rooms, his hidden passages and other hidden little cubbies within, I don't want to say cubbies because a cubby could be small, but like hidden Rooms that had like closets throughout the entire hotel. And because of that, they pulled out and the third floor of his hotel remained unfinished. And 1892 is actually a really good year for, well, not really good year. was a, I said, I shouldn't have said really good year. It is a... Massive year for Holmes, but not in the good way, right? 
he would end up, well, first, he would end up meeting this name, this guy named Benjamin Pitezel, Pitezel, Pitzel. We're going to roll with Pitzel. And Ben was a carpenter, petty thief, and an alcoholic. Ben met Holmes after Holmes placed an ad in the newspaper searching for carpenters to come do woodworking carpentry stuff on his castle. Now, after they met, they became extremely close friends, and Ben quickly became Holmes's right-hand man for several fraudulent schemes, which we will get to, we will get into in a second, but... While Holmes was being best friends and stealing money with Big Ben, Holmes was still killing residents within his hotel. His first victim that he picked out was in May of 1892, and her name was Emmeline. I'm going to roll with Emmeline. I don't know if that's how you say it, but I'm rolling with it. Emmeline Sigrande, and she was working and living within Holmes's hotel. And she ended up just mysteriously disappearing on December, well, in December of 1892, along with Edna Van Tassel. They both disappeared very, very quickly around the same time together, right? Once those disappeared, once those two disappeared, his next victim was Minnie Williams. Minnie was an actress who had just moved to Chicago in the early year of 1893. Holmes offered Minnie a job as a secretary at his hotel, which she happily took. Holmes was also able to convince Minnie to sign over some property that she had in Fort Worth, Texas. And after she signed over the deed to Holmes... He then transferred the deed to Ben and after Minnie had worked out with Holmes for a little while, they eventually, I, they kind of fell in love I, with each other, I guess is what you say. And I'm only saying that because they presented themselves as a married couple in order to rent an apartment in Lincoln Park, Chicago. Now, I don't know why they had to present themselves as a married couple. It's a little weird I and a little, little confusing because I know you don't have to do that to get an apartment in today's time. I don't know if it was a period thing, like that's what you did back in the day. And that's what you had to, you know, you have to, you had to have been married to get into an apartment, which is still really weird. I don't think that's a thing, or I don't think it was a thing, but I'm just, I'm confused on why they had to present themselves as a married couple in order to get an apartment. So I just think that they were in love, and it was just worded really, really weird when I was reading it, but that's what I'm going to roll with. I... Yeah, we'll just roll with that. He was he was in love with Minnie. And this would technically be, if he didn't kill the last one, this would be his fourth girlfriend at the time. But he's still, at this point, he is still married to Murda and Julia. Yeah, he's still married to Murda and Julia. And after Holmes and Minnie had moved into their new apartment... Minnie's sister, Nanny, oh, it's such a weird, why are there so many E's in this family? I don't understand that. Why Minnie and Nanny? That's, what? Nanny's a disgusting name. I'm sorry if there's any nannies out there, but I absolutely find that name dreadful. I apologize in advance, but that's such a stupid name, okay? Because it reminds me of like a nanny, like a ba- a person that goes and babysits. Like, that's what it reminds me of, and I hate that word. I think it's just a Stupid fucking word. Just say babysitter or babysitting. That sounds way better than nanny. I understand it's a professional thing, but it still sounds fucking stupid. Okay? And nanny would come and visit Minnie and Holmes for a little while. And when July of 1983 came around, both nanny and Minnie went 
missing. Nanny had written to her aunt that she was accompanying brother Harry and Minnie to a trip to Europe, but that trip never came and they were ultimately murdered by Holmes. And shortly after their murder, Holmes started to go on a decently long killing spree. An impressively long killing spree. In May of 1983. And it was when Chicago was hosting the World's Fair. And this fair was scheduled to be in Chicago from May of 1893 to October of that same year. This is a long fucking thing. This is a five month fair. And this fair attracted thousands and thousands of people from all over the world. Which turned out to be a perfect feeding ground for Holmes. And he took advantage of the influx of tourists coming to Chicago. Holmes was able to attract thousands and thousands of people by advertising his hotel in the newspaper. And since he was so close to the fairgrounds, he would go and attend said fairgrounds dressed in his impeccable suits to lure in his female victims to come back to his hotel. And since this fair was so fucking massive and all of these people that attended this fair, it was damn near impossible to trace these victims that had, you know, just vanished, right? And where did I, I I lost my spot. Hold on. And like the list of missing people was so long after, well, the list was so long that after the fair had ended, the police suspected that foul play was involved. Now, no one knows how many people Holmes truly killed from this fair, but the list of people that went missing from the world's fair is suspected, allegedly, allegedly suspected to be no less than 50 people. And every person that went missing, and if they were able to be traced, they were, the the police and the investigation were tracing it basically back to Holmes's hotel. But that's basically where that lead ended and they had no physical evidence to suggest Holmes did anything or what happened to these victims. Okay. It, they just couldn't find anything. And as like halfway through the fair was going on in August of August 13th of eight. I'm sorry. This episode is so brutal and I'm stuttering. I'm rusty. This is fucking bad. And I apologize because I'm all over the place and my research sucked dick. Okay. I'm trying to work through it. All right. August 13th, 1893, Holmes decided to set fire to his third floor of his building. Thankfully, no one was hurt and all of the residents and his employees were able to get out safely. And after he basically burned down the entire third floor of his hotel, he then tried taking out the insurance policy on his building with at least four different insurance companies. But... Instead of paying him, they decided to sue him and prosecute Holmes for arson. And instead of Holmes fighting the lawsuit, he decided to do what he knows best and just ran away. And in July of 1894, he found residency in Fort Worth, Texas, where he tried building a house on the land that Minnie Williams had transferred to him and Ben. But before he could even get started with the building process, the whole building process of this house that he wanted to make, he was arrested later that month and briefly incarcerated 
for selling mortgaged goods in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, while Holmes was in jail, he ended up meeting a convicted outlaw, Marion Hedgepeth, who was serving a 25-year sentence. When Marion and Holmes were incarcerated together, they, found they had concocted a plan to swindle an insurance company out of $10,000 by taking out a policy on Holmes himself for faking his own death. That was a plan. They were going to fake Holmes's death so they could collect the $10,000. Holmes promised Hedgepeth a $500 commission fee in exchange for the name of a lawyer who can be trusted. Marion had told him about a man named Jephthah Howe. And after they got in contact, all three of them started planning. And when Holmes got released on bail, he tried putting this plan into action and it failed. The insurance companies became suspicious of Holmes and refused to pay him. Holmes then concocted another plan very similar to his first idea. And this time he planned it with his best friend Benjamin. When Holmes had asked Ben if he wanted to do it, Holmes, or not Holmes, hold on, my nose itches. Give me two seconds. Okay, we're back. Ben agreed to fake his own death so his wife could collect the $10,000. And once she collected the money, it was supposed to be split up between Ben, Holmes, and Jephthah. This plan was supposed to take place in Philly, and Ben was to impersonate an investor named B.F. Perry, who was going to be killed and disfigured in a lab explosion. Holmes's only role within this plan was to find a dead corpse, a lifeless body, to play the role of Ben's disfigured you know, corpse, his dead corpse that allegedly is going to be him. But that's not how it went, okay? Holmes is a greedy bitch, and this is what he did. He instead decided to kill Ben by knocking him unconscious with chloroform, and then he set his body on fire. Holmes then collected the life insurance for himself, and somehow, some way, I don't know how in the fuck he did this. Don't know. But he did it. He was able to convince Ben's wife to give him custody of three out of their five kids, Holmes took custody of two girls and one boy. And after he got custody of the three kids, Holmes then drove with them to Toronto, Canada. And once Holmes made it to Toronto, he rented out a house and murdered the two girls by forcing them into a large trunk. Then he drilled a hole into said trunk attached a gas line to said trunk and then turned on the gas and ultimately asphyxiated the poor children after their souls left their bodies he then stripped the girls naked and put their bodies in the cellar of the rental home and once the bodies were disposed of Holmes then drove to Indianapolis where he murdered the third child that he had stolen from the Pitzel family. Allegedly, Holmes visited the local pharmacy to purchase drugs to kill this lonely, lonely child. After he purchased the drugs, he then went to a repair shop to have some of his knives sharpened. And I'm pretty sure you know where this is going. Once he reached the cottage that he was renting, he then killed the boy with the drugs, chopped his body up, and burned his lifeless corpse in the fireplace. That's the word. Yeah, fireplace. Now, while Holmes was killing these children, there was a detective from Philly following him around and watching his every move. Detective Frank Geyer ended up finding the bodies of the decomposed girls in Toronto and the burnt remains of the boy in Indianapolis. And as we're coming to the fall and the end of H.H. Holmes, after he had slaughtered all of the children that he legally ended up stealing, taking, ended up getting custody of, 
he ended up moving to Denver, Colorado, and married his third wife named Georgina Yoke. While he was still legally married to Clara and Murda. And while Holmes was out having fun and fucking around and marrying all these women, someone started to grow impatient. Someone started to get upset that they didn't get their cuts from the fake death scheme. That person, that angry person was Marion Hedgepeth. Marion became so upset that he didn't receive his money that he was promised that he ended up telling the police about their faked death scheme. So, the police, doing what they do best, decided to up their efforts in order to find Holmes, and they eventually did. They found Holmes in Boston, Massachusetts on November 17, 1894, with his third and new wife trying to flee the country. He was arrested for an outstanding warrant on horse theft in Texas and the death of Benjamin Pitzel. After he was in custody, Holmes initially claimed that he was nothing but an insurance fraudster using dead bodies to steal money from the insurance companies. But as the days turned to weeks and the weeks turned to months, Holmes's story began to change. He started admitting to murdering people. He suggested to the cops that he had killed between 20 and 2, well, sorry, he says that he had killed 28 people, but some evidence suggested that he killed between 20 and 200 people. Holmes also claimed that he was possessed by the devil. Shocker. Haven't heard that one before, you fuck nugget. Now with Holmes behind bars, the Chicago police decided to search his murder castle, and what they found was horrific. The first floor, along with the third floor, were pretty normal. The first floor had ordinary retail space, including jewelry stores, pharmacy, a blacksmith shop, a barber shop, and a restaurant. The third floor was an office space, along with apartments and Holmes's living quarters. But the second floor and the basement... Those two were fucking horrific. On the second floor, the Chicago police found 35 small windowless rooms, stairs and doors that led to nowhere, false partitions, trap doors, secret passageways, and a staircase that opened up to a steep drop to an alley behind the hotel. There was also trap doors and dumbwaiters that would enable him to move the dead bodies easier to the basement. They also found soundproof rooms with peepholes allowing Holmes to see into the rooms to monitor his captives. And some rooms even had gas lines connected to them so that he could asphyxiate his victims. In the basement, the basement was probably the worst thing out of everything that he's ever done. Down there, the police found a crematorium, a blood spattered dissection table, acid bathtubs, bloody surgical tools, various jars of poison, pits with quicklime in them, not just in a little thing, in them, like three pits filled to the brim with quicklime. They found torture devices attached to the walls, large quantities of human bones, tufts of hair, blood-stained bedsheets, blood-stained clothes, and portions of body parts 
that were so badly dismembered and decomposed that it was difficult for detectives to determine how many bodies there truly were down there. Experts sus sus not suspect suspect I can't fucking read suspect that Holmes would take the dead bodies down there to basically de-skin them so he could sell their skeletons for money. Now, after the hotel was done being investigated, the news and the media dubbed it as the murder castle, the murder hotel, and Holmes was sent to trial in 1895 and was sentenced later that year for the death, well, he was sentenced to death for the murder of Benjamin Pitzel. And since Benjamin was killed in Philly, that is where Holmes stayed. That's where he was tried. That's where everything happened. Even though Toronto and Chicago tried extraditing him, but Philly was like not happening. And he was hung on May 7th, 1896. And this is funny. When the Philly court system hung Holmes. The hanging took a little longer than expected. And I don't know. Well, I know why, but I guess the universe decided to give us a little bit more of a show and wanted him to suffer just a little while longer because as they dropped the trap door, his neck didn't snap right away. Sometimes they snap, sometimes they don't, but his neck didn't snap. He instead was just hanging there dangling by his neck being strangled by the rope for like 15 minutes and was pronounced dead after 20 minutes had gone by. That would be awful. That would be very torturous. I would hate that, but that's never going to happen to me, thankfully. Now, after Holmes was pronounced dead, he was then thrown in a coffin filled with cement and buried, I got another burp coming, and buried 10 feet deep per his request because he was afraid grave robbers would steal his corpse and use it for dissection. That's funny because that's the same thing he did. Why would you do it to people? Why would you do it to people if you didn't want it done to yourself, Holmes? So fucking stupid. Now, Holmes is allegedly America's first serial killer. I don't know if that's true, but I think he is the oldest on this channel. Yeah, the only other old one that I could think of would be Albert Fish. I'm pretty sure. I'm trying to think. I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's the oldest I, I've ever done. Yeah. But now, yeah, he's allegedly the first serial killer the U.S. has ever had. Now after he was dot now after he was killed his hotel stood until 18 19 well 1938 that's what I was trying to say 1938 where it was finally torn down and the United States Postal Service decided to build a branch on top of where his hotel once stood and just for a little fun fact before I end the episode Holmes's body was exhumed in 2017 amid some certain allegations that he may have escaped his execution by using like a dead body or a stunt double kind of thing. And when they cracked open his coffin and removed the concrete, his body was found like to not have decomposed normally. His clothes were perfectly preserved and his mustache was just found pristine and beautiful like usual. And... After his, after he was exhumed, he was taken to the lab and tested. And after the testing had gone through, it was positively identified as being America's first serial killer, H.H. Holmes. He was then reburied afterwards and has been rotting ever since. And that's the end of the story. I hope you guys, I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was... A little rough. I'm sorry. I apologize. It was a little rough. I just... I got on. Sorry. I don't know. I don't... I guess I'm just a little rusty. I guess what happens after not doing it for three days, you get a little shaky. So. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. Um, 
like I said earlier in the episode, tomorrow is horror movie breakdown, horror movie review, or just horror movie relations, relationship, sexual horror movie relations. Is that what I should call it? That's what I'm going to call it now. And it's going to be fun. We're doing Final Destination. I'm doing like where they got their inspiration from for these movies. And then I might dive into each one in a separate and upcoming video of where they took the inspiration from. So, yeah, that's all I got for you guys. I'm going to let you guys go. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed your weekend. I hope it was fun. I hope you guys just kicked it, relaxed, did what you want to do, and had fun. So, remember, stay frosty, stay foxy. Most importantly, the most important thing on this planet, stay safe, you beautiful peacocks. I love y'all. Deuces. <laughs>